0: are listening to Cold Lake Community Church Podcast. I hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families come together. Last weekend, a group of young people went to YC Alberta See, there's a couple faces in here that I I saw there. And I got to say that this year for me was a special year as a youth leader. Because I got to see something that doesn't always happen every single year. Yes, kids go to the altar. Kids, Holy Spirit speaks to kids. But sometimes I feel like when you have those big, massive groups and you have these altar calls, there's so much just emotion and kids go up to the front and go up to these big altar calls. But sometimes they don't really know what they're going up for. Like they do, like they're drawn to go up, but, but they don't fully understand everything sometimes. And, and sometimes as soon as the emotion's gone, it seems like they kind of peter off as we come back to, from YC and, and a few weeks back home. And, and I feel like this year God did something super special that is going to continue to move on and on and on. That's not. It didn't end at YC. And um, what well I can see, this, something that was kind of neat was kids go and buy stuff at YC. And what kids decide to spend their money on says something about them. It says what they value. So, you know, the kids had normal stuff like their YC band posters. Some of them even got them signed by their favorite artists. Some had their CDs. And as and kids were coming on the bus, and I'm like, oh, what do you got in your little bag there? And I'm checking out their stuff. And and what kind of surprised me was that some of these kids had books. And I'm looking at this one kid who was 14. I'm like, you read? <laughs> but uh, I'm, I'm looking at this book, and uh, it was a title that was all just about spiritual development. And then I ran into a couple other youth, and I was looking at some of their stuff that they bought. And I bought myself a book called A 30-Day Experiment to Hearing God's Voice. I saw it, and I'm like, this looks awesome. I want to read it. And two other students from the trip bought the exact same book. I'm like, wow, that's amazing. So sure enough, we got a new Bible study happening in the month of June. But um, that was something that was cool before we even left YC. When we got back, all week I've been meeting with kids for different reasons. Some just have this realization that they need to pray for their families, that their families do not know the Lord. Some of them just wanted to know God authentically for themselves. They're like, you know what? I've been born and raised in the church my whole life, and I've never truly surrendered my life to God. i I know about God, and I like the things, you know, that about the church, certain things, but I've never fully surrendered my life to God. And that's what YC was about this year. It was about surrender. And the speakers this year demonstrated what a fully surrendered life to Christ looks like. It wasn't just about all the things that Christ will do for you, but what happens when you fully surrender your life and what God will do in and through you. And this week, I believe that God has brought a message that uh, I think will challenge some people in this room to develop in their relationship with God. I know many people, I know when I first got saved, there were a couple times at, at summer camp that before I really got saved that I, I gave my heart to the Lord and I, there was never support there for me. I would go to camp. I was never plugged into a church. I'd come home, and the rest of the year, i just kind of live my same old way. And um, even though I was in a place where someone could teach me, you know, this is the step to salvation, I was never taught what to do after that. It was as if salvation was the end, that I've now got my golden ticket into Willy Wonka's chocolate factory. Oh, sorry, I mean heaven. And um, I'm good, but when I was a teenager going to this youth group, I began to learn that I wasn't good, that in fact, those prayers that I prayed were only the beginning of an amazing adventure, walking with God, and uh, recently, I was on a men's health blog, and uh, I don't often look at men's health blogs, but uh, I'm feeling super motivated lately. I wonder if you can guess why. Why? But uh, this man was a physical trainer, and he was passionate about what he does, and I know he's good at what he does because he is fit. He's got big muscles. And he had a little video at the top of his blog, and, and I clicked on it, and kind of what he said really fascinated me. This is kind of the gist of what he said. He said, fitness is my life and passion. He said, before I even consider someone to be my client, I meet with them and I interview with them. And I find out what are their goals, what is it that they want, and two, how committed are they? He said, most people, when they come to me, they want to lose some weight, they want to gain some muscle, they maybe want to change their eating habits, but unfortunately, they come with the attitude that they want to do those things, just squeeze them into their life with the least amount of commitment and the least amount of discomfort possible. He says, I meet with these people, and these type of people, I don't work with. He says, my passion in life is to help people who really want to create change or really want these things, this life physically in their body to prioritize and reorganize their life so that that happens. He says, the people that I work with have a different mindset. He said, the people that I work with, rather than saying, how can I fit my exercise, my eating plans these things into my life. He says, they think differently by the time I'm done. The question they'll be asking is, how do I fit my life around my eating plans and my fitness regime? Because that's what's important. That's what they want. That's what's the most important thing in their life, and everything else comes second until they complete that goal. And he says, if that doesn't fit your category, if that's not you, find somebody else. Because I'm looking for people who are committed. And as I was listening to this, this guy share, I'm just like blown away. I'm like, wow. I wonder if this guy's a Christian. I don't know. He didn't say anything in there. But I'm like, he understands something. He understands something about commitment. He understands something about prioritizing. And he understands that whatever's most important needs to be at the center of your life. And if it's not, there's something wrong. And my question for you this morning is this. Have you fully surrendered your life to God in such a way that Christ is truly the center and not just one of those things that you take and grab when it's most convenient and when you need to feel good? I saw this picture online this week. Have you seen this flyer? And I was looking at it. I'm like, what a useless flyer. It tells you absolutely nothing. And the Holy Spirit kind of reminded me of a time before I was saved. I was going to this youth group, and I was interested, but I didn't really know God yet. And we had this cool group. They came, and they were kind of hip-hop, kind of dancers, and they did music. And they had these T-shirts that said, Jesus loves you. And I thought these guys were the coolest guys, so I decided I was going to spend $15 and buy myself a T-shirt and be cool too. So I got this T-shirt, and I started wearing it at school, and I thought I was real hot shot because Jesus loves you. just loves you too. And when Holy Spirit brought this back to my mind, I was thinking, wow, you know what? If someone had asked me about my t-shirt, nobody ever did, I probably would have done more harm to the kingdom of God than good. And I thought, man, this flyer is almost as effective as my t-shirt was. Not because the t-shirt's bad, but because I was advertising something that I knew nothing about, I was advertising a cause that I knew nothing about, and I was advertising a person who I knew nothing about. I did not know him. Do you want to live a life that's rendered useful and fruitful to God? Do you want to live a life of eternal significance? Not just doing good things. Not just being a good person. But having eternal significance. 2 Peter 3:18 says grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. I think what's interesting is that no one will mature without first taking action. The Bible says that without faith faith without works or action is dead. We need to grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. But how is it that we grow? Have you ever wondered that? How, how do we grow spiritually? I think one step is coming to a place like this. But first, if you really, really want to grow, it's more than just coming to a place like this, but it's deciding that you want to surrender your whole life to God. Because God can only do in your life as much as you allow him to. And what we hold on to and refuse to give to God, God's not going to necessarily rip it out of our hands. He's waiting for us to willingly offer it to him, to sacrifice Those things that are ours to him. And so today I believe that God is challenging me to change my mindset. To say, rather than God, how can I squeeze you into my life? How can I fit you into my busy schedule? And instead ask the question, God, how do I fit my day around you? How do I fit the things I need to do around my God? Because when we became Christians and we entered into salvation, yes, kind of God entered into our life. But really, it was more the other way around that we entered into God's life. We now entered into God's eternal life, and it's a mind shift difference. It's totally polar, opposite thinking of God. How will you make my life better versus God. How can I fulfill what you have for my life? When I was growing up, I loved tobogganing. Is there anyone who loves tobogganing here? I had so much fun tobogganing. You know what, I wasn't a kid who really liked to get dirty. I wasn't into crazy sports. I didn't really like to get hurt. But tobogganing, I loved. And I loved to be able to just get at the top of the hill, sit on that sled, and just glide down. And um, by the time that I was eight years old, I loved tobogganing so much that I'd been missing half my front tooth, smashing into a rock, and I'd broken my leg. I was committed to tobogganing, let me tell you. And um, as much as I liked tobogganing and didn't like getting hurt, there's something else that I hated even more than getting hurt tobogganing. Do you know what it was? Having to carry that stupid sled back up the hill once you got to the bottom. And trust me, when you have a broken leg, it's not so easy. And um, when I was thinking about this, I remember being a little kid and tobogganing and thinking, This is all wrong. How it should work is I should be able to get on my sled, glide down this hill at like the speed of sound, really fast, maneuvering trees and kids who had fallen off their sled, suckers, and glide by and and slide all the way back up another hill just as fast and stop right on top. Flip my sled around and be able to do it all over again and never have to climb back up a hill ever. Wouldn't that be awesome? Wouldn't that be like the best experience ever? I thought it was awesome. But, that, but then when I was thinking about this, I was thinking God never promises that our life will be easy. God never says that when you choose to follow me, I will make things easy and comfortable. In fact, he actually said quite the opposite if you were to look into his word and say, what did Jesus say about following him? He said that there will be trials. He said that to follow me, it will involve suffering. If you follow me, It'll involve persecution. But regardless of what happens, you can stay, stand strong and courageous because I am with you. So how is it that we grow spiritually? We need to position ourselves to grow. One day I came home and uh, my beautiful wife, Rhea, was in the bathtub and she was planting flowers In the bathtub, I thought it was kind of funny. And um, anyhow, now we got some nice flowers and herbs around our house. And uh, do you know what's something that's kind of interesting? Is that when I go into my closet, I don't see flowers in there. When I open the cupboard under my sink, I don't see flowers under there. Rhea positions these flowers in places where they'll receive sunlight. So near and around window sills, except for one flower that was in our room and now it's dying but uh, we're trying to save its life desperately. But Rhea knew something that I didn't. It's funny because these plants just seem to grow, and I don't have to do anything. Literally, I don't do anything. And it's because my wife is tending to the flowers for the most part. She's watering them. I've never actually seen her water them, but I assume that she does because they keep growing. And uh, I saw her plant them, so I know they got soil. And I see where she positions them where they can get sunlight. And just like these plants, if we want to see spiritual growth in our life, if we want to grow, we got to position ourselves to grow. I believe that the ultimate goal for us believers is to become more like Christ through having personal relationship with him. That happens through the Holy Spirit who transforms us into his image and it happens through faith when we love God and obey his commands and principles that are set out in his word. Because Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey my commands. However, it is still our responsibility as believers to implement the things that Jesus teaches us. It's still our responsibility to implement those things that Jesus teaches us. 2 Peter 1.3 says, His divine powers granted us everything pertaining to life and godliness. Not some things, not everything for you, but I'm short sure somehow God didn't give me everything. No, he gave us all everything. If you have the Holy Spirit living inside you, you have everything. God has not withheld anything from you. Also in 2 Peter, it says this, be all more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing for you. For as long as you practice these things, you will not stumble. Who here doesn't want to stumble in their Christian walk? I don't want to stumble either. And I don't want to get halfway through this, through this life, I'm running this race, and all of a sudden, halfway through, I get tired and give up. I don't want to run the race and get one inch from the finish line, stumble, and not finish. In fact, there's certain qualities that Peter talks about in the book of Second Peter, that he says this, if that if you do not have these qualities, these things in your life, if they're not growing in your life, that it's as if you are blind and short-sighted. And he's not talking to unbelievers. He's talking to the church. He's saying, church, there's certain things that if you have these things in your life, and they're ever-increasing, that you will not stumble. I think it's important that we listen to these things and know what they are. Every single person in this room, we are the only ones who can take personal responsibility for our walk with God. We can't sit and look at our spouse and say, because of you, I don't know God very well. Kids, if you're in this room, you can't say, well, my parents never prayed with me when I was growing up, so I can't know God. No, if you're sitting in this room, you have everything you need to grow in relationship with God if you've chosen to accept him in your life, but you've got to take responsibility for your walk with God. No one else is going to do that for you. And if you've given that responsibility to someone else, you've got to take it back because it's not their job. It's not Pastor Lance's job to see us filled on a Sunday morning. It's our job to take responsibility for our spiritual walk with God. This is So important, then chapter 1, verse 11 and 12, Peter says this, I will always be ready to remind you of these things, even though you already know them, because and have been established in the truth, which is present with you. I consider it right as long as I'm on this earthly dwelling to stir you up by the way of reminder. Now, many of the things that I'm going to get into here are not new things, are not things that most of you have never heard but in fact, there are things that all of you should already know if you've given your heart to the Lord because you've done them at least once. And they're things that I believe that God is asking us to do every single day, not just Sunday at church, not just at communion, but things that we need to develop in our life every single day so that we're no longer striving to do them, fit them into our life, but it's just so natural that it's part of who we are as we walk out our relationship with the Lord. So do you guys know what these things are? Some of you guys may know what these things are that the Bible talks about, that if you do these things, you will not stumble. Some of you know this verse. Well, here it is. For, the very, for this very reason also, applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence, and in your moral excellence, knowledge, in your knowledge, self-control, in your self-control, perseverance, in your perseverance, godliness, in your godliness, brotherly kindness, and in your brotherly kindness, love. Peter says, if you have these things ever increasing and growing in your life, that you won't stumble. And I'm saying, God, well, how is it that we have these things? How is it that we can grow in moral excellence, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love? Well, I believe that the Bible gives us many answers in how we can develop these traits in our life and I want to specifically talk about three things that you can do every single day, that if we submit ourselves to God and do these things every day and make it have it, that's just something we do, part of who we are, that I believe that we will begin to see these things more and more in our life. Number one, we've got to renew our mind. Romans twelve two. do not be conformed by this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. Each one of us as believers is responsible to renew our mind. It's something that we got to do. And just as the saying says, garbage in, garbage out. But at the same time, the opposite is also true. In Philippians 4, 8, says, finally, brethren, whatever is true, honorable, right, pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is good, of good repute, of excellence, and anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. The Bible says, dwell on these things. Don't dwell on what you don't want. Dwell on what you do want. If you're in lack, don't dwell on your lack. Dwell on the promises of God, the things that God has already promised to you. So how do we renew our mind? I remember once I overheard Nicole sharing with somebody about taking captive your thoughts. That when things come into your mind, that we can consciously say, uh-uh-uh, that's not from God. And rebuke that thought and think on the truth. What we know is true. We can meditate on God's Word, which is more than just simply reading it. But it's taking a piece of Scripture and maybe rereading it over and over and over, letting it sink into our heart, allowing the Holy Spirit to bring revelation about what it means and how you can actively apply it to your life. Because it's great to know things, but you're not truly a wise person. You don't have wisdom until you can apply the knowledge and the understanding that's in your life. So once you can apply those things that you learn, you're a wise person which is why the Bible talks about wisdom, that we need to grow in wisdom. It's our responsibility to renew our minds. Church, I encourage you guys to think about that, renewing your mind. Number two, confession. I love this picture. I've seen it somewhere else. Confess ye sins, or ye be walking the plank. All I can say is, I don't want to be walking the plank. I want none of that. Bad joke. Bad joke. I got it, but that's okay. When we deny our sins, we prevent and delay our spiritual growth. What's interesting about confession is that in order to confess that you've done something wrong, you've got to humble yourself. If you're in a prideful state, you don't feel like you've done anything wrong. You feel like you're right. But I think this is key to confession, that the reason why we confess is because it humbles us And it shows our dependence on God. That as long as we feel that we don't need God in our life, it's almost walking in rebellion. That we need God every single day. And when we, when we confess our sins to the Lord, that happens. We demonstrate our dependence upon God. John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Many of you will know that sin, not that sin, that that, uh, verse there. But confession is key. It's not just something we do on Sunday, but something we need to develop in our life every single day. When the Holy Spirit brings something to our heart, brings something to our attention that we know is not right, we need to walk in confession, asking for forgiveness, and we know that God will forgive us. Repentance. It's not too late. When I saw this picture, I was reminded of a time when I was probably 14 or 15, and I had a friend who lived on this kind of edge of a park, and there was this walking path. And it was just after the summer, it was into the fall, and um, he had this crabapple tree in his front yard that not all the birds had picked them off yet and stuff, and they didn't pick them in the summer. So they're all gushy and... And really gross. You know the kind of crab apples that I'm talking about that you squeeze them and the juices squeeze out and if you were to hock them at somebody they'd explode and be disgusting. Well, we were smart guys and we thought we'd climb up on the edge of this balcony and as people were biking by and peacefully walking with their dogs and their wives and their husbands, that we would be smart and throw these crab apples at them. And the whole time I was just thinking oh, I don't want to do this. Everything in me was just like, oh, I don't like this at all. But my friends were just exhilarated by it. They're like, Maybe we'll get caught. Maybe they'll chase us. Oh, my gosh. This is so much fun. And I'm just dying inside. I'm just like, I do not want to be here. But anyhow, finally they're throwing, and people are, you know, dodging the these nasty crab apples and, and scurrying off as fast as they can. And finally my friends are like, okay, that guy's coming up. Mark, now it's your turn. you got to throw a crab apple. I'm just like, I don't want to throw a crab apple. They're like, you got to do it. You said you'd do it. Why are you here if you're not going to do it? I'm like, oh, okay. So I pick up a crab apple. I'm standing there, and just everything in me is just like this internal battle going on. I'm just like, I don't want to throw it. I don't want to throw it. I'm looking at them. I'm like, okay, I want to throw it. I want to throw it. Oh, no, I don't want to throw it. Don't want to throw it. Finally, I got up the courage to throw it, but I'm like, you know what? I'm not even going to throw it anywhere near here. I'm going to make sure to miss. So I throw it and I miss and I'm like, oh. good. I threw one. Meanwhile, my friend behind me hucks one and he's a good aim. He must have played baseball or something and smacked this guy right in the back of the head and this guy turned around and it was just like something from the Terminator. It's just like, and he just started chasing us. Like this guy was furious. And my friends were just like, woohoo, exhilaration. And they take off and I'm this guy here running away. And I'm just like, God, I'm never going to do this again. I'm never going to do this again. I'm never going to throw anybody." at anybody. Ah. And I'm just, for me, that's what I think of when I think of repentance. I'm running the opposite direction. I'm running away from it as fast as I can because I don't want to be there. And I didn't want to be there in the first place. But you see, repentance is not the same thing as confession. Confession is confessing your sin, saying, God, forgive me. Repentance is different. Repentance is that thing that should hopefully follow confession, which is to literally change directions, turn 180 degrees, and run from that sin as fast as possible and never go back. It's not saying, Lord, forgive me of this sin. And in your mind, back of your mind, you're thinking, I'm going to be doing this tomorrow. I'm going to be asking for forgiveness again. No. It's running away and not looking back. Acts 26.20, repent and turn to God, performing deeds appropriate to repentance. I was thinking about this. I was like, well, what if the next week, instead of crab apples, my friends were throwing jello o bloons? Does anyone know what a jello o balloon is? Oh, they're so much fun. I'll tell you that story later. But um, I could have been like, you know what? This week, is, I said, God, I will never throw another crab apple. But this week, we got jello o Those people must like, they, they like jello, right? No, it's, I, I wasn't thinking that way. It was like I was not going to be throwing stuff at people anymore. I felt so bad. I ran away from that. But when we trust God and allow the Holy Spirit to direct our decisions through confession and repentance, that's when we'll begin to see the fruit of the Spirit developing in us. The love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control from Galatians. So do you want to live a life rendered useful and fruitful, having a life of eternal significance? We've got to take responsibility for our walk. And part of living the Christian life is submitting to God, surrendering fully to God so that Jesus can live his life in us and through us. And if we haven't submitted our hearts fully to God, he can't fully do that. So, church, we must renew our mind, confess daily, and repent. I was reminded of, of a quote from Zig Ziglar that, I wasn't sure the exact quote, but it says something like this, the same winds of adversity blow on us all. However, it's, our final destination in life will be determined by the way that we direct our sails. See, life's going to happen. Things are going to come our way. But we still have control over our sail. Church, if we let him go and just allowed the ocean to take us, take life to take us wherever it wants, are we going to pick up God's word, say, God, I fully surrender to you, and not just let go, but then take what God teaches us and implement it in our lives? Because, yes, there's the God's going to take care of me, but if we're not implementing those things, obeying the commands which God has asked us to do because we love him, We're not, our destination is not going to be where we think it is. And some of us are going to be very disappointed one day. But there's good news. It's not too late. It's not too late. God is good. And any time we can grab onto the sale and start implementing what God teaches. And, um, oh, I feel like, oh. Felt really quiet in here. But, church, I just encourage you to reflect on this this week. Do you want to live a life useful and fruitful to the kingdom of God? Living a life of eternal significance. Well, five minutes over, so I'm going to pray. But uh, if you would like prayer for anything, please come up. If that's you, you're like, you know what? I know I haven't fully surrendered areas of my life to God, that I've given God certain parts, but I've been taking parts back or I haven't fully surrendered to the Lord, then come up. We'd love to pray with you. And, um, yeah, we just want to see God move. And um, I know that when we do that, that God will bless us and God will direct us. And um, life will be good. But not good in that everything will be perfect, but good in that we can trust God with everything because he is with us. Well, Father God, I thank you, Lord, that you are God, that you are so much bigger than any of our life problems. Lord, I thank you that you are faithful. And God, I thank you, Lord, that you have not left us in the dark, but you have given us your word, something in which we can learn from, learn what the truth is, learn what you are saying to us, God, so that we can implement those things in our life, so that, God, we would know you. God, I pray that, uh, Lord, we'd come to a new revelation this week, God, as we spend our personal time with you in prayer, Lord God, in worship. Lord, that we'd experience your Holy Spirit in a new way. God, in a greater depth. Lord, that you'd speak to us and show us the areas of our lives where we have not submitted fully to you. God, that we need to submit to you, God. Lord, I just pray that you would have full reign of my heart. God, that... Um, Lord, that you would truly be Lord, Lord of our lives. So, God, I thank you, and I praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you've been blessed by this teaching from Coley Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry.